welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Hello again, curious listeners. This is Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about hair. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on balls. And I also wonder if you learned anything new about yourself. I have a feeling you might have learned a few things about me. (laughs) I know I enjoyed myself. This week, I would like to share with you a piece I wrote a couple years ago. It's called My Hair Piece. And once again, as an author and writer, I, I oftentimes look for just mundane things, everyday things, and, and try to make some sense of them. And while you're listening, maybe you might think about some things you might learn too about writing or about yourself. I begin my piece by explaining how I got this silly idea a few months ago that every girl should grow her hair down to her butt at least once in her lifetime. And since I never had, it became a goal. I'm kind of goal-oriented, not sure about you, but if I don't have a goal, I, I tend not to accomplish things. So my goal was to grow my hair down to my butt. Back to my writing. I've tried this several times in past years, never with success. The longest my hair has ever been was during sophomore year at Smith College. I was really cool then. I wore my wavy locks and braids and sashayed around campus with my patchwork skirts and my art portfolio. Uh, yeah, I went to Smith, which if some of you might know is a woman's private woman's college in Massachusetts. Went there having no idea what I was going to do with my life, but my boyfriend at the time was going to Dartmouth and he told me I should go to Smith, so that's what I did. Anyway, I was an English major and an art minor there. I returned to my writing. I had lusted after Sheila's hair in high school. A gymnast with thick red hair well past her butt, she represented everything I believed to be sexy. She was even smart and not too stuck up, so I had no reason to hate her. But I knew I would never get the attention she got, wherever she happened to be, with her gorgeous locks swaying as she walked, lifting in a breeze, glowing in the sunshine. I also knew I was not built for backflips on a balance beam. And for those petty, pretty things, I envied her. And if any of you are Braintree High School class of 77 graduates, you probably know who I'm talking about. Sheila and Karen. Oh boy, I envied. I envied both of you with your long hair and your your gymnastic expertise. (laughs) Back to my story. The pixie cut was mom's choice for me throughout my childhood years. And although I can't remember ever complaining about the choice... I also coveted my baby sister's long golden strands. This is 
This is about you, Carol. You know it. (laughs) You were my gorgeous baby sister. Well, you still are. Back to my story. For school picture day, the best I could do was try to keep a ribbon clip in my hair. Girls with long hair could do ever so much more. Even as a youngster, I sensed the glamour symbolized by long hair. So after growing my own to shoulder length in high school, I determined never to cut it again in college. And then I joined the Army. (laughs) Yeah, why not, right? Cadets at West Point in 1979 had no access to hairstylists or salons, and my first butchering by the high-and-tight-hungry barber in the basement of a cold stone building left me horrified and convinced I could do a far better job myself. Fortunately, aside from ensuring my shoes shined like mirrors and my shirts were tucked just right into my starched pants, I had little time to think about my appearance, and the uniform hat hid much of my face beneath it and my hair. I think I could probably take a few trips around the world with the money I've saved over the years by cutting and coloring my own hair and cutting my husband's and son's hair, too. My horror at the cash register each of the few times I treated myself to a professional cut and color rivaled the horror I felt leaving the barber's chair decades earlier. Two hundred dollars? Are you kidding me? And that's without a tip? Do you have any idea how many bags of clothes I could fill at Goodwill with $200? For a few years, we lived in a place where $200 was pocket change and hair extensions were as commonplace as Tupperware, so I convinced myself I deserved the occasional splurge. But, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, you with long hair out there in my listening world, I always felt guilty after handing over the credit card and hopping into my car. And when I checked myself out in the rear view mirror, I never felt $200 prettier. For $8.95 and about one hour in the privacy of my bathroom, I could emerge with a color and a cut that was me. (laughs) I laugh at myself now for my most recent attempt at long locks because this attempt marked the fourth time I've repeated this sequence, and I'm guessing it's at least the fourth time. Here's the sequence. Number one, decide to push past the awkward, not short, not long phase. That's a horrible phase. Don't ever, don't ever do it. Don't waste your time. Number two, camouflage the transition as best I can. Oh, you know, you know the deal. Hats, scarves, whatever, clips. Number three, start to feel good about my progress as my hair reaches my shoulders. Number four, chastise myself for compulsive hair twirling. Number five, enjoy the hair twirling because that means it's growing longer. Number six, buy all manner of hair adornments and accessories. And oh boy, how many times have I packed up headbands and clips and scrunchies and other things and (laughs) donated them to to people more daring than I. Uh, Number seven, 
realize I'm spending lots of time keeping my hair out of my face. Number eight, wake up one morning with a mouthful of hair. Number nine, spit it out, walk to the bathroom, find the scissors, and cut it all off. Number 10, finally, tell myself I'll never grow my hair again. (laughs) Oh boy. So back to my writing. Last week's hair in the mouth will be my last. The liberation I felt from all things hair inspired me to lighten up in other areas too, and I filled bags with clothes and shoes from my stuffed drawers and closet. How did I get so many pairs of socks? <laughs> Even, and I wrote this a couple of years ago, and I look at my sock drawer now, I don't know. They're like rabbits, I guess. Socks are like rabbits. <laughs> As I pondered the decision to embrace my inner pixie, the whole idea of hair consumed my thoughts for several days. I asked a long-haired friend when she took a break from her studying why she would never cut her hair, and she confessed to having an emotional attachment to it. She plays with it, and it's a comfort to her, although she told me she woke up nearly strangled by it one morning. When she returned to her studies, I watched surreptitiously as she absentmindedly twirled and occasionally chewed on the ends of her lovely locks. And I had to use the word surreptitiously there because that's one of those words that you can use in a book or a story one time and, uh, and, and sound, sound smart. <laughs> it's a fun word. Back to my story. Every time I see someone who's lost their hair to cancer treatment, the foolishness of my own vanity becomes clearer. It is a vanity, after all, and it affects some more than others. Hair is something we adorn, hide behind, deceive others with. Oh, you remember the commercial, only her hairdresser knows for sure. (laughs) We perm, tease, spray, braid, extend... So much deception. Feather, spike, dreadlock, eek. The hair care industry will never die. But I don't want to be a slave to my hair anymore. I want to believe I'm at a stage in my life in which I'll spend far more time on my inner development than my outer appearance. It's not like I'm mature enough to shave it all off, though. And I'm still going to buy my 8.95 Clairol every six weeks or so, so I'm not walking away from all expenses and all expressions of vanity. I like it. It's cute, my husband told me when he returned from work after I cut it all off. I'll never be a Lady Godiva, and I'm finally okay with that. I'll settle for cute. <laughs> that ends my hairpiece. Um. I I would now like to brainstorm about hair. I really love brainstorming. It's kind of one of those techniques where you just throw everything out and, and you don't edit yourself and you just go for it. So let's see, hair, brainstorm, brainstorm with me, with hair. See what you come up with. Hair, hair pieces, hair accessories, hair cuts, hairy faces, hairy places, <laughs> Hair bear, snuggly new toy for your tots. Uh, Hair today, gone tomorrow. I think some of you know about that. Nose hair, chin hair, or 
as one of my sisters announced one day, chair hens. <laughs> there may have been wine involved that day. Hair, hair, hair. Oh, the hairy memories. Well, thank goodness I'm not dealing with hairy memories. <laughs> but what's up with it everywhere else? Am I right? Eyebrows. Uh, don't you just love people with like, it, I mean, when I say people, I mean men with just crazy eyebrows, like the eyebrows that just are all over the place and, and wiry and spiky. They're great until you wake up one morning and you pluck one from your own female face. And it's like half an inch long and it's, it's brown at one end and you, it, it's colorless at the other. Where do those even come from? I don't even get it. <laughs> it's it's a, a different topic, but hair changes as you get older, right? I look at my arms sometimes. I'm standing up straight on my arms. I was thinking about writing a piece the other day entitled, entitled Reclaiming My Bush, but that's definitely a story for another time. <laughs> Play with your own hairy memories now and see where they might take you. I think that's all I should say about that topic for today. Um, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please follow me, subscribe to my podcast, and I hope you'll tune in next week when we'll talk about a young man's eye-opening experience as he joins the Army in 1943. Perhaps there'll be a hairy tie-in to that story, too. Who knows? Until next week, be aware of what you spread on your toast. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.